0: Welcome to Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Hey everybody, welcome back to uh, Candidates of Liberty. This is our newest show here on Lions of Liberty. We run it every Tuesday. This is the show where we interview libertarians who are running for public office. This is the eighth episode of Candidates of Liberty. That means the show notes page can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash col8. Of course, this is only one of our shows. We have three other shows. We have a show every Monday, our longest running show, our flagship program, hosted by Mark Clare, where he interviews leaders in the liberty movement. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams, which is your weekly shot of culture. Comedy and Liberty, and every Friday, Felony Friday, where I take a look at the oh-so-broken criminal justice system. Be sure to subscribe to get all three shows delivered right to your phone every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. You don't want to miss any of these great episodes. This is the only libertarian variety show out there. Today's interview is with Tim Silfies. He was actually just on Kennedy last night, so great timing for you guys to get to know Tim, an outstanding candidate here, a local candidate in Pennsylvania, where I am. Excited for you guys to get to know about his campaign and everything that he's accomplishing running for Congress. Let's get rolling with the interview. My guest today on Candidates of Liberty is Tim Silfies. Tim is running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 7th District. Tim has an impressive background in television. He started out working as a producer for Greta Van Susteren before beginning a stint as journalist and libertarian John Stossel's producer. While working with Stossel, Tim honed his craft, and he observed firsthand how common-sense limited government, when it protects economic and personal liberty, sets the stage for individuals to prosper. Tim also, while at Fox Business, co-created and ran two news shows, The Independence and Kennedy. After leaving Kennedy, Tim made the move back home as a reporter for WFMZ. Now he is—he's uh, left WFMZ and he's running for Congress. He's shaking things up in the congressional race in PA District Seven. Tim, welcome to Candidates of Liberty. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your busy campaigning schedule to come on the show. I know you—I uh, follow you on social media. I've been watching your campaign from across the other side of Pennsylvania, and I've uh, been very impressed with the campaign that you've been able to run. You're obviously very active on social media. I know we talked offline. You're going to be able to participate in a number of debates and forums, so a lot of exciting stuff going on. I want to talk about all that good stuff and uh, talk about your opponents and all that, but before we do that, I want to get to something that I think everyone's going to be interested in right away, is your connection with John Stossel. Tell us a little bit about how that came to fruition.
1: Sure. So uh, about 15 years ago, I started uh, at Fox. I started in kind of the bowels of the building. I was there just, uh, I started as a freelance script PA, printing out scripts for the anchors at like two in the morning, uh, just running around, uh, hustling. And then it kind of grew. Like you said, I worked, my first major stop was w- working with Greta uh, as a field producer part of the time, and then a writer and different things for her. And then I ended up, uh, I by that time I was, well, actually, I'll back up a little bit. Um, I used to be, I used to go to some of the debates, the presidential debates, working as a candidate handler. The way this works is the networks, they have someone that they like assign to each campaign at these, uh, at the debates. So I actually, uh, one of the debates in 2007, I guess, I was assigned to Ron Paul, which which was pretty cool. It was It was interesting to see the sort of, the way he was so different from everybody else. I mean, the, the the other candidates would roll in with like these huge entourages, and you know, because this was in the, the this was when McCain ultimately won, but Romney was also a serious establishment candidate, and Paul was just there, kind of mixing it up. So, so I was a handler for him, and I also so was just there. If
0: I, if I can jump in, ask you a question just about that time right there in your life. So, at that time, like, what were your politics then? Were you? leaning towards libertarian or yeah. where did you fall? Yeah, I was pretty, I was, I was pretty
1: libertarian by that point. Uh, and that certainly, you know, being around him was one of the things that kept me moving that direction, especially cause I was there that night, the, the infamous Giuliani moment. Uh, you know, I remember standing there watching that backstage and sort of seeing the reaction and like the hissing and booing from the crowd, you know, he was not popular, but to me, I was like, wow, this is kind of different. Um, so fast forward to uh, again, I was pretty libertarian by that point. So when a job opened up on Stossel, I I jumped on it and ended up um, ended up with him for a few years, and it was a pretty amazing experience. I mean, we you know I worked on the weekly show on Fox Business, but then I also went kind of uh, and worked on his documentaries. If, if in his Fox News days, he used to have four documentaries about a year that ended that aired on. The Big Fox Network. Okay. So so those were great. I mean, just, I did all kinds of different things for for those. I mean, you know, we worked on an education documentary where I got to go to New Orleans and see how the charter schools were working down there. And then I went to Portugal at one point to, you know, for about a week, just kind of document their um, drug decriminalization. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was just a lot of, you know, being in the fossil world and learning from him. I mean, John... He's, he is uh, a master of, of his craft. And it was I was very fortunate to learn just how to put news pieces together. And what I learned from John, too, that to this day I think I find really useful is just sort of communicating libertarian ideas in a very clear way and a digestible way that people can understand. Uh, that's what I think John's really, really good at.
0: Wait, why, do, why do you think he's he's so good at that? like what's what's because uh, you know at least my, my observation of libertarians watching libertarians interact online interact with people who are libertarian or maybe Republicans and Democrats is I think liber- I think we come off as maybe a, a condescending way a, a know-it- all way. A, a shove it down your throat this is the way it's got to be. So like, wh- what are a couple things that you learned from Stossel? that maybe help you bridge that gap between, you know, a libertarian ideology and maybe a progressive or a conservative ideology. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point. I think I too have noticed the kind of
1: communication issues that we have sometimes, uh, we being libertarians, uh, and he, but, and he, you know, I think it's just mostly because he came out of the local news world and I think it happened pretty organically for him. Just, over years, and I mean, he's been in the game for 40-some years, I think. And he just got really good at... John is a master. I used to love... It drove me crazy. It was frustrating working with him, but um, it was also... He was so good at it. Just watching him, we would have a piece, and he, he could would just cut it down and cut it down and cut it down and simplify the language and simplify and make it just so digestible that anybody could understand it. And I think that's why he communicates really well. I mean, a, a lot of people like Stossel who aren't libertarians and who they think, you know, okay, I, I get him. You know what I mean? He, right. So I think that's it. Basically, he's just learned the economy of language over the years. Um, and I'm really, I'm really thankful for it. And, you know, just diving in a little bit more about what happened after that was when, so working on Stossel's where I first met Kennedy because she came on as the a special correspondent of the show. And I ended up being with her a lot of the time. Like we would just go all around the country doing different weekly segments for Stossel. Uh, so that's how that's how I got in with her, which led then to when the independence came around, that spinoff basically of Stossel, it was with Kennedy and then Matt Welch from Reason and Camille Foster, who's with <laughs> rethink who now Camille and Matt are part of um, uh, the fifth column which is a, another fantastic libertarian podcast which is sort of I think of that as actually like the an extension in some ways of the independence the independence on F, on Fox business was it was wild I mean it was a really like pretty hardcore libertarian show in the middle in the middle of just uh, it was when Fox business wasn't as successful as it is now so it was it was it was wild times and and it was a great it was a great show. I mean I loved it and it planted the seeds for where we are now which was Kennedy which which is also I'm really proud of that and it's it's so awesome to see it on still. I mean it's one of the few voices of sanity in cable news at this point. At least I think.
0: Absolutely. I'm curious so with I mean as you're saying with, with Fox Business and I it, I guess it is yeah it is more libertarian now with Kennedy and Judge Knapp had his show, had his show Freedom Watch for a while. I, think, I forget if that was on Fox Business or Fox, but that was, was just—it was on Fox Business. That was just unapologetically libertarian, you know, shoving your face, which, which was great. Yeah. But uh, was there ever any sort of pushback from the, you know, the big wigs at Fox saying, "Hey guys, tone this down a little bit," or anything like that?
1: You know, it's an interesting question. Um, The—I mean, I think. Not explicitly. I mean, I kind of, I think that at times it became, the independence particularly was very, I mean, it just went after everybody, like from all sides. It was, it was kind of like Napolitano show in that regard. And nobody ever like sat us down and said, do not do that. Like it wasn't like that. Uh, But you know, on the other hand, the independence also isn't on the air anymore. So I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. Um, you know, I, I, I think ultimately I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure w- why, why it ultimately got canceled. I mean, at the, at, the, at the time, honestly, FBN was kind of veering all over the place. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it is now. I mean, it, FBN now beats CNBC, so it's very much a juggernaut. And Kennedy, it's great to have her there because she really is. I mean, trust me, I know her very well, and she is, uh, she's as libertarian as it gets. And the judge too, by the way, is, is, is another, is awesome too. I mean, I, I, I never, I didn't work with him as much directly, but it was amazing to have him kind of down the hall that I could go talk to him and ask his advice. And you know, he, he, he inspired me a lot too and helped and helped me get where I am.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's amazing that you have uh, those influences in your life. Not many people can, you know, say that they personally know John Stossel, Kennedy, and Judge Napolitano. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, cool. So let's let's dive in your campaign here a little bit. First yeah. Question: Why why did you decide to run? Why did you decide to leave? You're having great success in television. Why did you decide to do this? That's a great question. Um, so I was
1: after after being at Fox. I, I'm now. I relocated back to where I live, which is in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem specifically. And I was a business reporter then for a while. I moved from behind the camera to kind of on it. Uh, And that was rewarding in its own right. I mean, it was a totally different deal, you know, to, to move from the national news to like local news was really interesting. And it was, it made me see even more like when it's people who are in your backyard and people you interact with all the time. You see how politics and the government can affect people uh, and adversely, frankly, a lot of the time, as we know. And, you know, I just sort of got, I've always, I mean, you can imagine as a libertarian, I'm sure you feel this too, that it's just sort of like things just get worse and worse sometimes. <laughs> and and I just kept like over the years, it was just like, man, I these two parties are just not representing Anything of what I believe and and I really just grew more and more I felt this crescendo that a moment could be coming where an outside voice could have a real chance, and that was accelerated at watching the 2016 race, I mean where obviously you know that was kind of a race to the bottom in a lot of ways, where people felt like it was I mean the presidential election specifically of just being a total horrible choice between the lesser of two evils. And then there were some conditions on the ground here that made it seem like this really could be the time. I mean, because this is an open seat, so I'm running, I'm not running against an incumbent, which is is a big deal. Yeah. And, um, you know, the combination of that and the redistricting, I felt like put things kind of, not in chaos, but in, in, in it threw enough of a wrench into things that that could also be an advantage. So I felt like, you know, the time was now with all the things happening. I mean, with Trump as president, we saw Brexit happen. We saw Ocasio-Cortez now in New York. I mean, there's there's just, I feel like there are fissures happening all over the place. And there's really weird winds blowing. And this could be the time to hit a real jet stream. I,
0: I agree with you. And, you know, like I said at the top, I've watched your campaign from afar. And one of the first things I saw was a campaign video you released, which was probably one of the best I've seen put together by a Libertarian, which goes to your TV background. Well, thanks. To to be able to put that out there, I mean, that just ups your credibility immediately. People see that. And with being in the local market, people seeing your face on TV, I'm sure that helps with your name recognition, obviously, which is fantastic. So let's, let's kind of shift and talk about your opponents a little bit, talk about your chances in this race. You're not running against an incumbent. Is that because of redistricting, or was the did the incumbent retire, or, or what happened there?
1: He uh, he just he retired. Yeah, Charlie okay. Dent was his name, and he just he just left uh, partway through his term. So it's uh, the seat's open now. Uh, the old the old, it's complicated, but basically the old seat is open, and there's going to be a special election on the same day for that seat, and then a seat for the general. Does that make sense?
0: It's a little confusing,
1: but uh it's, it's, okay. it doesn't matter. It's it's just political nonsense.
0: Yeah. So who you're who are your two opponents? I assume okay. you have a Republican and a Democrat, right? Yeah. Uh the
1: Republican's a guy named Marty Nothstein, who his basically his claim to fame was that he was in the Olympics uh in the nineties. Uh and then there's a woman named Susan Wilde is the Democrat who she's an attorney. I think she was a city solicitor, maybe. So they're, they're, you know, look, they're, I don't really, I don't know them that well. I mean, I interact with them from time to time at events and we had a, a radio forum a couple weeks ago and they're, they're, they're just sort of, they're fine. I mean, they're, 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 they're nice enough people to me, but I think that it's not really about them. You know, I mean, I think it's about, it's about the, the, the establishment parties. And I look at it as just sort of they're, they're almost incidental in the race.
0: So you talked a little bit about this chaos that's happening across the country where you have the, really in the Democrat Party, the progressive wing, the socialist wing, if you want to call it that, rising up. So what kind of chances do you give yourself as an outsider? I mean, you're a third party. You're not coming from within one of these major, from the duopoly, but so it's a little different than the you know o- Ocasio-Cortez situation. But what what kind of chance do you give yourself? Has there been any polling, anything like that? What kind of feel do you get for the race right now? I think
1: I'm not I'm not an idiot. I mean, I understand that like I'm an underdog. I'm gonna be an underdog no matter what. I mean, this is a long shot uphill fight. Now that said, I feel I feel very good about where we are. I mean, first of all, I've been at this for months now, and I've done a lot of grassroots, I mean, knocking on doors. I've knocked on thousands of doors at this point, all around the district. Um, And I get a real sense from talking to people across the ideological spectrum, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarians. I mean, I'm, I'm knocking on everybody's doors. I'm talking to people. And there's this common theme of disgust and exhaustion with not only the news, but with the establishment parties. I mean, people are really palpably, palpably not happy with this situation. Which I think it, it it helps and it makes them receptive to our message because you know people are open to new things right now. Now that said, I don't look. I don't know how that's going to translate into votes, but what I do know is that I've gotten a lot of good media coverage. That's an important thing that the 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 media here, the local paper and the local news station, they're ostensibly covering this at this point as a three-way race, which, you know, as we know, with being in this
0: movement, that's hard. That's a yeah. huge win. I mean, just, yeah, to have that alone is a huge win.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm in, I mean, at this point, it's not, we're not exactly sure how many, but there's going to be five to six, uh, forums and debates. And at this point, I'm in all of them. Uh, so that's, that's a big deal too. So, you know, I feel like I feel like as much as possible this this is going this is going as well as I could hope at this point. Let's put it that way. And, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a hard fight and I'm going to need, you know, I've got I'm doing pretty good in fundraising, but we're going to need more money and we're going to need, you know, these are these are real real realities of challenges. You know what I mean? I mean because my opponents are both Establishment corporate candidates who are gonna—they're gonna raise—they're gonna, raise, gonna outraise us. But these challenges, I think, you know, if there's a moment where these things can be overcome, I think it's—I think it's now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as libertarians, we're always—not well, always, but at least right now—we're definitely going to get outraised. Fundraising is—I mean—that's our biggest toll, but we can still outwork people. I mean, which I, yeah. I think that's our biggest advantage.
1: Yeah, and the um, beauty of a congressional race is that I'm not covering. I'm not covering a distance that's like that you can't even wrap your head around you know what I mean I mean it's big but it's a manageable it's a manageable distance I mean I've knocked on doors in pretty much at this point every corner of the district now that doesn't look I'm not gonna be able to knock on every door obviously but it's you know when you can drive the perimeter of your district in a relatively manageable amount of time that's it makes you realize that this stuff is this stuff is is possible. And, and I really do. I wouldn't be, I, I think I can win. I do. I mean, I don't, it's, it's going to take, it's, it's, I'm an underdog, but I think I can.
0: All right. Well, that, that's great. Let's talk about, let's dig into your policies a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to hear about, just, just pick your, your three really main issues, the three things that when you're giving a speech that, that you make sure that you hit on.
1: Okay. Well, look, rejecting the two party system itself i think is actually a very powerful message for us because it's it's visceral i mean and people you know at this moment in time people really don't like those two parties so that in itself is a powerful starting point politically to say sort of like look even if you don't agree with me about everything policy wise even if you don't agree we can we can find common ground of the starting point of rejecting that establishment, and and you know, uh, moving forward from there. And that believer, I mean, there are progressives who who support me almost for that reason, um, and other common ground that we find on things like criminal justice reform and the drug war, and which are big ones that I hit by the way, especially in Pennsylvania. And look, I try to. It's it's not it's hard to get this people to care about it passionately. But the truth is I talk all the time about our debt. I mean, $21 trillion in debt is it's going to be, it's going to be the end of us if we don't get it under control. And I still talk about, about, you know, endless wars too. I mean, these are things, you know, I, these are things that obviously, as libertarians, I mean, these are we care about them so much, and they're things that they need to be discussed, you know. So I, 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 I do a lot.
0: it's it's hard with the debt, and to to a lesser extent with the, with the foreign policy, with the war, but it's hard with the debt to get people to to really wake up and. Take notice of it because they're not getting impacted. There's not feeling the impact right now in their everyday life from the war. I mean, everybody knows somebody at least through you know a friend or a family member, or, you know, maybe not directly that's been affected by somebody that's gone out, gone to war and they've come back and you know, God forbid they committed suicide. That's an incredible epidemic. we veterans committed suicide, but you know people come back wounded and, and things like that. So that's. I mean that's that's a huge issue. It's uh, I, I 100% agree with hitting on that. Every libertarian should hit on hit hit on that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you one last question here, and this one it's it's not a not a trick question, but it's one that I think you know definitely deserves some careful thought. And, but I think it's very important. Um, you know, with libertarians, there's definitely a couple different areas. Where libertarians don't agree on because libertarians love to argue about everything down to the minutiae of it but out of these issues these couple issues in the, in the libertarian uh ideology you know which which one of these viewpoints are you not really either fully on board with or, or maybe have a, a an issue with an aspect of it
1: yeah this is an interesting one I mean I've heard you guys ask this before and it had me thinking a lot about how I would answer it um I think for me, uh, immigration is, is one where, you know, I I think a lot of, I, I'm not, a lot of people who we agree with and who I, who I love and respect are kind of for totally open borders, uh, which I think, I don't think that's a realistic position at this point. I mean, I, I think that, I think that, Look, I, I want there to be more legal immigration. I want it to be easier, much easier to come here. I think we need we need more people here. We economically and it's good for us culturally. But I also think that, you know, it's a reasonable role for government to expect there to be borders. Uh, so so I think that I think that's one that, that I, I identify that I feel I you know I feel different points of view you know what i mean like i i i feel i feel sympathetic to all different sides when i hear the arguments about it and that's you know that's good it's always intellectually good to feel challenged and i'm not sure exactly how i feel about this you know
0: what i mean yeah absolutely yeah i think i think that's one that it's sort of it's sort of hard to wrap your arms around the whole idea because for one you know democrats will come out and say we're for open borders And they'll say that, but they don't really mean it because Democrats, they still want to document everyone that comes in. They still they don't want an open border. Uh, Libertarians are probably the, the closest, the ones that are for the fully open borders. But at the same time, they're for property rights. So that's that's a border at some point if we did transition in that society. So. I don't know yeah. if anyone's really for open borders, but... <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, I guess that's true. I mean, there are some... Yeah, you know what? You're right. This is exactly what I mean, where it's just like I kind of go in a circle about it. And, and you know, what I do know importantly at the end of the day is that we're way better on this than either of the major parties. And that the two of them have completely smashed the immigration system. I mean, it doesn't even exist at this moment. It's just... So in that respect we have a very viable solution. And at least the way I talk about immigration on the, on, on the stump is something that appeals to both sides. Just so, and I mean like regular people, I don't mean the establishments, just the idea that, look, we need more immigration. We need to make it easier. And it's reasonable to have borders and to, and, and also I think that this is where it gets a little dicey, but to, to, to treat people who are already here with dignity and respect. And if they're peaceful, let them stay. And that, you know, that I think is, that's a reasonable position to have that a lot of people from a common sense perspective can connect with.
0: Good stuff. So I just want to ask you before I let you go, Tim, let everyone listening know where they can, you know, find out more about your campaign, your website, how they can donate, how they can volunteer, how they can uh, help you in any way.
1: Yeah, I would love it. Uh, TimSilfies.com is where to go. It's like selfies with an I. <laughs> uh, it's a weird name to spell. But TimSilfies.com has all, has all of that. And I would, I would love and be humbled by any donations, any support, because things are going really well here. And, and I really feel like this is, this is a good one for us to, um, to focus some attention on because I'm planning on making a lot of noise in the next few weeks.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tim. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed today's interview with Tim Silphies, another great libertarian candidate on Candidates of Liberty. I've been so happy with the way that this show has come together with Mark and Brian and myself doing these interviews with just outstanding libertarian candidates. As I've said before, the reason we decided to do this show is Mark Clare and I went to the Libertarian National Convention and we met so many good candidates there. There was just no way that we could find ways to fit them on, you know, the different shows that we have here at Lines of Liberty. It just wasn't even going gonna to come close. And even with just doing the Tuesday show, there's still more candidates that, that aren't getting a chance. So we might expand eventually here to Tuesday and Thursday to accommodate some more candidates. But back to Tim Silphys. This is a guy that, you know, people in Pennsylvania, libertarians in Pennsylvania are very excited for Tim Silphys' campaign. Across Pennsylvania, we have incredible the best that I've ever seen libertarians on the ballot in this state. It is going to be so exciting in November to uh, be able to see how things shake out. Having uh, Dale Kearns running for U.S. Senate doing a just a fantastic job. Latest poll came out. Dale Kearns polling at 11%. So very cool stuff going on. Tim Selfie's in a very competitive race here. Has a chance to win. Has the name recognition. Uh, people know him from being on local TV there. That is huge. That's so great for a libertarian. You pair that with having the ideas, being on the you know the right side, the principal side. He, he has a real shot, and he's in all the debates. He has a real shot. I'm excited to see where it goes. I just want to say a couple of things, guys. If you're new to this show, if uh, Tim Silphies brought you to Lions of Liberty for the first time, this is only one of our shows, as I, as I said at the top. I encourage you, I challenge you to go back in our feed to pick a couple of uh, some recent shows, picks because they're different formats. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday show, they're all different formats. So pick a couple of interviews that Mark has done or maybe roundtables on that Monday show. Pick a couple Electric Liberty Lands with Brian McWilliams and uh, listen to those. And pick a couple Felony Fridays recently and listen to a couple of those. I guarantee you, You're going to like all three of them. One of the formats you will fall in love with, but you're going to like, you're going to enjoy, you're going to listen to all three formats. I challenge you, go back and do it if this is your first time listening to this show. I won't keep any longer. Thank you guys for listening. We thank our Lions of Liberty Pride supporters. If you want to join the Lions of Liberty Pride and uh, get access to our bonus content, merchandise, all that stuff, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash liberty. And that's all I got for today. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up. And the fire is a liberty burning.